0: Well, the two choices are the the way of the ego or the way of the heart and um, and you know one of the things that I've been been saying to folks is that when I ask people a lot of times uh, if they had to point on their body where the human compass is a very high percentage of people tend to point to their heads so it tells you that the culture is is uh, kind of conditioned to think that that the brain is where the human compass is and of course it's never been there and uh, and we know now that uh, that the heart sends like a thousand signals to the brain for every one signal the brain sends to it and we're finding brain fills in the heart brain fills in the stomach and so the, the point is is that the body has its own intelligence and so it's almost like we're saying that that the that the two ways or the two paths are the way of the the way of the head And the brain or the way of the heart or the body Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and this is not new information I mean you know I'm not the first person to say that but it but it tends to be kind of out of our awareness in the culture Um, and and the 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 part I I tend to find ironic about that is is that the people that even point to their heart as the compass that, that actually know that don't do it for themselves. So the words they're giving mm-hmm. they're giving compassion uh, To their families to their spouses to their partners to their children to their friends, but they're not giving it to themselves mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, And that's up op- and that's the premise you know that if you give it away it'll come back tenfold which is like which is right. like which is quite Christian um, but that's the idea that compassion is uh, something that's externalized and then, if you externalize compassion into the world, it somehow will come back to you. And um, that, of course, is half true and half false. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Well, th- oddly enough, and, and I'm not sure why this is, but um, certain things jump out to me in this. Um, the the word mystery, and I know what your meaning by uh, no mystery. There's only two choices, but when I think of um the inner life and what you're describing in in the show today for the show today, um mystery really stands out to me in connection to the to the inner life because to me and and um, I always go by personal experience because. That is <laughs> what I can totally trust. Um, so, to me, when I think of mystery in connection to the inner life, to me, the inner life is mystery, mm-hmm. and the ego is something that's definite. Like, um, that's you know, it's definite. It it falls into morality and right and wrong, where the inner life, to me, and I I know what you're meaning by there's no mystery, because you're talking about the heart and ego. But for me, when I was, you know, absorbing this and taking it in for um, our dialogue today, that really stood out to me that, for me, the inner life is all about mystery, because it's not definite. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I see what
0: you're saying because, uh, and, and I hadn't really thought about it, but but that's true. The the reason that it is mysterious is is that um, we're not taking time to know our inner world, and um, All
1: right. All right. and
0: and we know the ego uh, in the culture has been put in place as the default compass because it adapts to the outside world. I mean, if if it has any compass capability. It's it's its capacity to adapt, and so that's how it got that default position. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're 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 correct to say that that part of the mystery uh, of the of the inner world is is that it's uh, people are not taking the time to know it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: not yeah. taking not taking it's
1: like the time. Like that is like almost a secret.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and so the 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 whole premise of the work that I do, of course, is that, um, um, and and I use the example all the time that if you if you solve a puzzle and you dump all the pieces on the table, then what you tend to do is you kind of do the edge pieces first, and the reason that you do that is because you're trying to get some kind of context for what it is that you're making in that puzzle, and uh, but what you lack Uh, unless you are aware of it, is the picture on the box. And so the picture Mm -hmm. on the box really is the inner scape or the inner dimension Mm -hmm. that we're talking about here. And the inner dimension, Mm -hmm. of course, that we're referring to is the soul, the spirit, the ego, and the heart as organs of perception. And then the inner dialogue, which is uh, counselor, critic, mediator, and bully. These are the inner mm-hmm. voices uh, that that are kind of uh, um, kind of under the control uh, of the ego, so to speak, and um, mm-hmm. and so making a distinction between the voices, for example, would be one half of the solving of the mystery that the soul and the spirit are abstract for most people and and uh and the uh the ego and um emotions are not abstract people tend to know mm-hmm. that they have a personality and that they know that they have traits and qualities and attributes that um that tend to dictate their behavior but what they don't take time to sort out is is that the feeling self which is the spiritual self is different than the emotional self because the spiritual self is tied to being cut away from the source from the very beginning of your experience, and then and then having to take on the psychology of the culture that you're born into, which ends up dividing you in some way, and that division is the ego, um, mm-hmm. and so those are the bumps and the bruises. So yeah, so that yeah, so if people are paying attention on the podcast, one of the things that I'm that I'm doing all the time is saying that. That these pieces can be known; they're not mm-hmm. mysterious um, what the soul does, what that to be alive force does is to bring into our awareness what it is we need to see, but the ego doesn't want to see it, <laughs> you know uh, mm-hmm. the heart does, but the ego doesn't yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so when you say that the inner life can be known. I'm just wondering, because for some reason this is really, um, really standing out to me and touching something within me that um, is giving me uh, kind of a different perspective and that um, because I have spent a lot of time in my life um, exploring my my inner world um, and even being a person that has done that, it's still, I don't know that I would say I can know my inner world. It is more of a sensing and a feeling than a definite knowing. And I think that's what's what's kind of standing out to me in this is that um, because when I I was embracing this material, um, I could really feel how the ego wants to have definite. It wants a definite yes, no, right, wrong. Where mm-hmm. the inner world is um more more open without definite and um maybe a little bit without knowing, but a sensing and a, a feeling. But of course that's um a female's <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs>
1: that might have something to do with it. But that's no. a real
0: no, 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 what you're saying is valid. You're saying that uh that what uh that your inner world can be sensed, it can be realized through your feelings, through your senses, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and and that's another way of saying it, and that's exactly true. but um, but what i'm what I'm kind of offering in the teachings that I'm bringing to people is is that we tend to be the kind of animals that really we don't believe anything unless we can see it. Yeah. And right. so and, and and of course that's the ego. The ego needs to see to believe. Mm-hmm. Um and um so what I've done with the work that I've done uh with trauma is that um how how can you make the inner world uh something that can be seen? Mm-hmm. And uh and of course the answer is is that it's symbology, it's metaphor, it's analogy, mm-hmm.
1: it's mm-hmm. those,
0: it's that, it's those kinds of terms. But it's those, but those are dimensional terms, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes it from the abstract and makes it kind of solid, you know, that you can physically see it. And um, so that's what I mean when I say it can be known. But 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 mm-hmm. but what you said is valid as well. That if you don't have the capacity to actually see it, if you don't have the training, if you haven't done the work, so to speak, if you don't if you don't get up every day and, and give station to your inner life, then all you're left with is your senses and all you're left mm-hmm. with is your feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine for people that can make a distinction between what they're feeling and what they're emoting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Most people can't. <laughs> they mm-hmm. have the, they yeah. have, the, they have the two merged as being one and the same. And so, so yeah, so that's uh, um, so, so that part is mysterious in the sense that mm-hmm. it is, that it is abstract uh, it's it's hard to talk about a dimension that is beyond words (laughs) right I mean it's hard to I mean you and I talk about love truth and freedom all the time is a dimension and Mm -hmm. uh, and but those words mean totally something else to uh, to people who've not done this work love truth Mm -hmm. and freedom yeah where you and I talk about it is, is, is dimensional places that you can reside in. Uh, where's the residence? Well, the mm-hmm. residence is internal, of course. Mm-hmm. When I say when I say you can reside in it, I mean you can sit in it inside your inner world. And uh, mm-hmm. and what makes that tolerable or possible? What makes it possible for us to be able to sit with our inner lives? Kind of putting you on the spot. I mean, we've talked about it before, but what do you think makes it possible?
1: What makes it possible for us to sit with our inner life? Yeah,
0: which is which is the same way as saying what makes it possible to sit with your with your adversity and your pain. What makes it possible?
1: Okay. Um, I, a couple of things immediately come to me. I'm being present. Yeah, I'm um, being aware um, and allowing um, that. Uh, feeling place allowing of the the heart
0: what what allows it is compassion
1: oh what allows it okay yeah
0: yeah that that what makes sitting with your inner world tolerable is compassion mm-hmm. and compassion mm-hmm. in this context is self-love okay. to suffer with oneself uh, means to have the capacity to sit objectively as you look at your subjective life Mm-hmm. And, that, and that objectivity is only possible if you can be compassionate during the sitting. In other words, if you're mm-hmm. not being kind and gentle, forgiving, uh, accepting, allowing of those kinds of uh, those feelings, then you're going to attack. You're going to self-judge. You're going to self-analyze.
1: Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is where
0: the ego gets in, gets in the way, you see.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really uh, and and really it is a um, um, a beautiful experience because when you were just speaking, I was thinking when <clears throat> I heard you talk about um, um, the melting of the ego, and yeah, that is what's happening when you're, you're sitting with um, compassion. And um yeah,
0: allowing well, the uh, Well, I mean, think about it in your own life. I can certainly think about it in mine. Anytime I've ever sit with my pain, whatever it may be, uh, in the sitting, uh if I'm if I'm allowing things to come through uh, in 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 a compassionate kind of way, then what ends up occurring is the inner uh sensation changes. So something else comes through. And that's the point is, is that the, that's something else that's coming through is probably the truth. <laughs> um, if you get the if you get your thoughts out of the way and you get the mm-hmm. the memories out of the way that are tied to those thoughts, then something comes through. You could call that new thought. You could call that brand new thought, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. um and, and so that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to give yourself enough space to allow something new to come through. I mean, you've had experience. I've had it where you've said something that you've never said before.
1: Yeah. Or you have a
0: realization that you never had before. Well, that right. only happened because you sit with the, with the, um, the pain long enough uh, that something else was allowed to come through and mm-hmm. uh and typically it's beyond words whatever it is mm-hmm.
1: you can you, yeah. can you
0: can you can describe the sensation of it what what you tend to hear from people is relief i feel like the weight of the world's been lifted off my shoulders or i feel my angst has gotten quieter or um mm-hmm. i feel a sense of peace or contentment um mm-hmm. these are kind of uh words of ambiance and you're describing the ambiance of your inner world, which in one minute it was it was angst driven or fear driven and then all of a sudden it's not now it's content and um, and the body responds, your heart rate slows down, your blood pressure drops, your breathing balances out, and that's what's that's what's occurring that's what happens that's how the body receives new thought you see mm. Which is mm-hmm. different than continuing to perpetuate the 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 cycle of thought, repetitive thinking mm-hmm. that the ego does, mm-hmm. which doesn't allow any new thought at all. Yeah.
1: hmm hmm And yeah. what, what I what I'm hearing is um there's an um expansion that happens mm-hmm. where I think if we get really so caught up in the the rigid ego that, that's that's fear based and it's um a contrasted kind of experience where the um sitting with um compassion and allowing suffering to um to just surface and be released there's um that's expansive and um a place of what i would describe as, as love. So mm-hmm. to me all all healing and all evolving Happens from from what you're you're offering through your your teaching and and what you're pointing people to, and that's that's why I'm so supportive of of what you do because I know there's um, an ultimate healing that can happen for people if if they can um, you know find find a compass that can lead them there and, and you yeah. It. That's, yeah
0: well well and I say that human beings have the have the gift of compassion and that one of the things that we uh, are attempting to do as human beings is to, to is to evolve that particular quality, and to also realize that the evolution of compassion means taking it away from the external as being the only way that you get release uh, right. and, and and really kind of applying it internally. It's it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like first aid cream, you know. It's like it's mm-hmm. like adding mm-hmm. it's like adding uh, mm-hmm. kind of adding a healing ointment to your to mm-hmm. your wound, so to speak well and, yeah. and so it isn't a coincidence that we uh that when you look at childhood stories and fairy tales and even dream interpretation that that what the soul is attempting us you know to to get us to do is to um look at the blood sweat and tears of our of our pain whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and then that blood sweat and tears is essentially forming uh a lubricant if you will mm-hmm. to apply mm-hmm. to apply to the friction that it means to be human so mm-hmm. so, so this friction which is really the angst uh, of the of the relationship between the human spirit and the heart or the human spirit and the ego I mean because the human spirit which is the feeling reaction to the present moment is constantly provoking the ego to suffer itself awake Mm-hmm. And you and so if you're if you don't understand how compassion fits into that equation then you literally are just left with the friction and with the provocation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. people and people call that anger they call it anxiety they call it depression okay. right. because that's right. what happens if you leave the if you leave the, um, the feeling self alone to provoke the ego awake and that's all you are allowing to happen then you're not ever going down deep enough to get the lubricant that allows that friction mm-hmm. to be tolerable. And that's really kind of what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Gosh, what I, what I saw in that when you were saying that is, is kind of the, the culture that we, we live in is, um, a lot of times it, it can appear to be pretty surface and pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah and and I also have the awareness that there's so many distractions something you said is to realize <laughs> to not look for the compassion um necessarily only in the external but realize
0: well look um, at look at what um yeah look at look at what came out um in the secret look what came out in Wayne Dyer's work um uh, really what's been happening in the past 20 years in the spiritual movement in general uh, it's been this idea that you don't have to suffer anymore that you can stop and that mm-hmm. you're that you're more than your story and um, but what does that mean and what is that more you see what is the more that is that is more than your story and in the work that I teach it's that that, uh, to be a live subjective force that, if left alone, is constantly pushing forward to be its fullest self.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that to be a live force, you and I call the soul, but whatever you want to call it, it has intelligence. And, um, and it relies on your subjective clarity to advance itself. If you're not clear, about your subjective experiences then you're stuck and uh, and so and subjective of course means emotional experiences if you're not real clear on what you're feeling and what you're emoting mm-hmm. and how the two mm-hmm. are related then you're just left with um, um, with the angst of the human spirit in general
1: and, uh, yeah, which creates a kind of uh um, being stuff, a kind
0: of um well what it creates, Arma is a psychology of who you are. It creates the psychology of who you are. We call it personality. Mm-hmm. But but it what it does is just it it um it's just adding um it's adding to the problem that the human ego by design, uh, from the from the time it's conceived and formed uh, proceeds to defend itself
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that defensive stance uh, isn't open for discussion right and yeah. yeah and so that defensive stance of course is kind of a like a wall or a veil that you mm-hmm. know, depending mm-hmm. upon how how far you are in this work it can be a wall if you've done nothing with your inner life if you've done something then it's a veil yeah. the point is it's a it's a barrier mm-hmm. between your inner and outer lives, and what you're trying to get to is some kind of uh, congruence in those two dimensions of what I mm-hmm. feel internally and what I experience in the external, and and, and then building a bridge between those two, those two dimensions. Uh, yeah. This is mm-hmm. how you find integrity. This is how you find an ethic. This is how you find truth. But there are some pieces there, so yeah.
1: Yeah. Something I heard in, in in what you said is uh, what jumped out to me is um, defense and what are we defending um, when we're in that place of defense? We're defending um, what we think we are, which is the yeah. um, identity of, of the persona and the image that yeah. we think we are.
0: We're defending yeah. what we believe to be true. Yes. So we are mm-hmm. defending our belief systems. And that's what... Um, uh, not Wayne Dyer, but uh, um, what's his name? Eric Byrne uh, mm-hmm. in, in his TA model, the parent-adult-child model, uh, that's what he called your personal religion, that you don't even have to mm-hmm. walk in, you don't even have to walk into a church. You don't have to have any religious orientation at all. You've got a rigid, hard-fixed, pervasive set of beliefs.
1: Wow, personal religion, that's, that's a yeah. really good
0: way to define yeah. the, the uh, ego. Yeah, yeah, and it does, it does. It, it has its own personal belief system, and it isn't going to mm-hmm. let go of those without a fight. And they and they were established, you know, and again, this is the irony, they were established at a time when they were absolutely correct. Those defenses were important, they served a purpose, right. but, but, but they don't fit the present. And the example Mm -hmm. I like to give all the time is if you went back, if you went up to your attic in your house, I did this the other day when I threw away some clothes, I had a letter jacket from high school and a jacket that I got when I was in college as an athlete. Well, these jackets don't fit me anymore. (laughs) They're Like, you know, uh, when I was wearing those jackets, I was a lot thinner and I was in a lot better shape. And, uh, uh, and so I ended up giving them the goodwill. Well, Imagine that that's what a defense is. A defense is a a piece of clothing that at the time that you adopted it Mm -hmm. and and wore Mm -hmm. it, it fit. It Mm -hmm. fit the moment. It fit the circumstance you were in. It doesn't fit today. It doesn't fit the present. Mm -hmm. And that's the trouble with defense mechanisms. They're dated. They're old. Yeah.
1: But, at, but at but as we're going through the different um containers <laughs> that we we go through, the different um developmental stages, all that's necessary, but we're supposed to move from one container to another container. Yeah, and I can I can see that we get we can get stuck and hold on to to an attachment of an old identity.
0: Well, and that's also why the ego feels like an old friend, <laughs> you know, because it has been with us. It's been with us a long time. So there is there's a grieving process that actually mm-hmm. happened when you let go of beliefs, anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. well, for, for for those folks that may just be tuning in, the containers that 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 you are referring to are the existential containers. Uh, the first one being adolescence, the second one being young adult, the third midlife, and the fourth one old age. Well, those four containers are developmental, and, and those containers are supposed to collapse at some level because of suffering, because of uh, adversity. Something woke you up and caused you to see your old way of doing things was too constrictive, and so you changed reluctantly changed probably and then moved into a larger container and felt freedom in that container because of the space and um and so most people in the culture don't don't get beyond the midlife uh container and a lot of folks are even stuck in the uh in the young adult container and so
1: i have a question and and <laughs> because i i have a um uh, i would love to believe that that there's um a place to arrive um where there is not another container. Mm-hmm. And so my question is um the last containers of the old age. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fifty five to yeah. sixty five is what, is what we would call senior, you know, the the, the senior container. Uh, but yeah. we're living longer now, so uh so uh,
1: I tend to believe that there is a place to arrive because we're living longer. Mm-hmm. Where there is there is yeah, there is, a container. yeah. yeah
0: there, there is a there is a percentage of the population that is that is beyond containers and and that and the, the language i use for that is that we spend the earlier part of our lives trying to solve the paradox of dependence versus independence and so mm-hmm. and we start that in young adolescents and we continue to play with that all the way up until uh until young adult, and then at young adult, we are supposed to, at least if we're growing at all, reach some level of independence. And then so from young adult to midlife, we should be moving to the next stage. And this is what people don't realize that there's that there's two other stages. The third stage is autonomy. And the fourth stage, the one you're talking about with no containers, is mm-hmm. sovereignty.
1: Yeah.
0: But you yeah. get to, you get to a sovereign place, and that which means you are the master of your own universe at that point. And mm-hmm. the universe yeah. that we're referring yeah. to, of course, is your inner universe. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: yeah. I, I, to me, I mean, if if you can um, continue your um, self development and evolving, I, I think it's totally possible
0: to to reach. If that you level. if you can uh, uh, buy the idea. <laughs> that inner lives matter, then Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're already halfway there. You see, Mm -hmm. if you, if you Mm -hmm. give station to your inner life, you're, you're halfway there. And, and that's the, the, the cool part about spiritual work is there's no such thing as being late. You know, whenever Mm -hmm. you, whenever you get here is right on time. Uh, Because you couldn't have got here any faster. It took you as long as it took to get to a present place of, uh, uh, Of understanding and so but the 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 premise of inner lives and and having an inner life is is that you've done enough self-care and enough self-inquiry the self-understanding that you now have reached an ethic of how you choose to be in the world and uh, which typically uh, if you've done that progressively uh, is a compassionate accepting loving individual and, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, that, that would be the ultimate goal. And of course, what the, the, what the spiritual thoughts are trying to sell is enlightenment. Well, all those stages, all those collapsings of containers are moments of enlightenment for sure. Um, because enlightenment from my perspective is you're no longer encumbered or hindered by what the ego thinks and 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 emotes and in that mm-hmm. in that experience of letting go one is enlightened mm-hmm. one 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 feels lighter and we have it we have it in the culture um uh, that enlightenment is somehow tied to uh, intelligence or tied to um um I guess just intelligence, you know, that it, that it implies you've reached some intelligent thing. But that, but if it's any kind of intelligence at all, it would be spiritual intelligence. It's not psychological, simply just psychological intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: I think it's tied to. Um, it, it seems to be, which is really odd to me. Really, really stands out to me. It seems to be at least in the. Um, spiritual arenas that I've kind of observed Enlightenment seems to be presented as a destination and to me it, it, that it doesn't even go together at all, but well, that's the call
0: to that's the cul-de-sac That's what I mean that if you have if you have if I look at my at my patient base when I was doing trauma work uh, Everybody who was going to through, through a trauma had a moment of of awakening Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and what is that moment? Well, what I thought was true is false. Who I thought I was is not what I've turned out to be. Uh, life, life isn't going the way I anticipated it was going to go. Those are, those are moments of enlightenment, but as soon as that door opens, it closes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and so your, your task as a human being is to put, uh, a door stop in the way so the door can't close. <laughs> you wanna move through that door to get to the next level of understanding. And mm-hmm. and and this kind of and, and so yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that? Yeah.
0: That's what yeah. you have to do. I mean the veil the veil that we talk about all the time that which is the veil between what we think and, and, and the veil of truth, it really is a doorway. Um mm-hmm. that that one has to um has to kind of walk through, and but as soon as you walk through it, the, the door closes behind you. And what's what's um, incredible about the human ego it just creates more doors. <laughs> That's a, and and I've had that experience in my own life, and I've had that experience with other with other clients. Is is that you know I got through that door and I thought I had arrived, and you're telling me there's more doors. I go yeah. How many doors do you think the ego can create? The ego can create an infinite number of doors.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so about three to five percent of my trauma patients stayed awake Mm -hmm. the majority went back to sleep Mm -hmm. and 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 put themselves at the mercy of the of the ego so so one of the gifts that we have as human beings of course is to uh, evolve the quality of compassion that we are capable of but the other gift that we have is asking questions exploring and one of the reasons I use the word um, to describe the show that it's a mysterious that it's that it's not mysterious. There's only two choices, is is that it's mysterious only because we don't ask questions, we mm-hmm. don't we don't explore, we don't ask mm-hmm. why, and and think about that. We're not encouraged in this culture to ask why. hmm mm-hmm. And that's what
1: yeah, yeah. And in a way, though, it. it, it in a way, it's the questions, the inquiry that there's never, to me, to me, it seems like in the human experience, if we think we have arrived at a place that we know the answers, then I think we kind of stop evolving at that point. Well, yeah, point. But, yeah. Yeah, it's the inquiry that... Is open-ended and ongoing forever. Well, the profound, <laughs>
0: the profound insight, Irma, and, and we know this because we've done it, but the profound insight is that we're not in pursuit of answers. We're in pursuit of better questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, but before you can get to a place of asking better questions, you have to be kind of wowed by the last moment of enlightenment. In other words, insight mm-hmm. insight is a big deal. to have insights a big deal, uh, but the majority of us live our lives based on hindsight, so we're we're using the past to somehow do the present better based on hindsight. Insight is the capacity to understand your inner experiences, but then the next thing that happens if you continue to have more insights, which is only possible with more questions, uh, mm-hmm. is foresight. Yeah. And then, and so if you look at those three capacities of sight, you know, hindsight, insight and foresight, let's ask the question you asked a minute ago. Do you ever get to a place uh in this work where you're, be- where you're beyond all containers?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What happens to the sight problem? What happens to the sight question you see? Well, what occurs is, is that in the beginning, insight, foresight hindsight are separated from one another the further you go along in this work they merge
1: Mm.
0: so you have Mm. insight you have hindsight insight and foresight simultaneously
1: yes oh my gosh yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah. you can see
1: When you're saying hindsight, insight, and foresight, I'm also hearing past, present, and future. Yes, yes. And yes, getting to a place where they all merge into one. Oh yeah, God. I mean, and, and
0: and I can remember in my own work when people would say, "Well, what do you think about the future? Aren't you worried about the future?" And I said, "Well, you know, I woke up one day and had the realization: I'm actually in my future." I'm actually I'm in my future and this is it right (laughs) and so um, and so I know in my own in my own life I used to be able to see pretty far down the road in my life Mm -hmm. I could see see four Mm -hmm. or five years down the road from where I was now I can barely see beyond next week I mean it's uh, unless I create that which is kind of what I'm doing with this hike I'm doing across the country is, is that Unless I create something that um that defines my my perceived future, then I'm done, you see.
1: Um, huh. And
0: you know the culture would the culture would call that goals. Well there you know there there's there's such a thing as the spiritual goal as well. There isn't you know, there's psychological goals, which is I like to be making this much money, I like to be living in this particular state, I'd like to be married to this particular individual uh you know the, there's those kinds of goals but the inner goals is um are 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 different the inner goal <laughs> is how do i get to a place where i don't feel like anything's missing anymore mm. where I, where I'm, I'm not in a constant state of survival or a constant state of striving mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. I you just yeah, I just had an insight. <laughs> yeah. Because I've heard you say that before, you know, kind of getting to that place when you're done. And and kind of how your pilgrimage came up and how important um um moving is to you and what that means to you. But oh my gosh, yeah, I just had an insight of you do have to create um 'cause what the like what you created for yourself is the pilgrimage, and that's how you're you're um
0: continuing to move mhm huh uh-huh. well, and think of what and think of what we're saying, what we're really seeking now is a goal uh once you've transcended. <laughs>
1: Meaning, purpose and meaning.
0: Yes. Because well, and so the word the word that, that everybody would be familiar with would be inspiration. We want to be inspired.
1: Inspire.
0: yes. Wow. We want to be inspired and, and and it's not too far from in spirit. Wow.
1: <laughs> in- and that is movement.
0: That is the movement. Yeah. In spirit, wow. inspiration are not too far apart, right? And yeah. so what you're really saying, um, um, when you're doing inner work, as you, as you advance along this proverbial path of the road less traveled, mm-hmm. is you want to continue to be inspired. And that's what I've struggled with in my own career. I mean, am I done, or is there still more reasons to stay inspired? I mean, you can look at the yeah, outside yeah. world. Yeah,
1: you know, I don't think you will ever be done, because you... Well, You live live from a place of spirit, so it it seems to me wherever you go, whatever you are doing, you're going to find a way to be inspired.
0: Well, but it's a little bit more challenging because now I am the creator of my own reality, you see, and uh, Mm -hmm. most of us let other people create uh, realities for us.
1: So we look we yeah, we talked.
0: The, we talked the other day about. Yeah, we talked the other day briefly about relationships, and that that one of the best pieces of advice I'd ever heard a, a friend of mine give a daughter, when mm-hmm. she began to date. Uh, I thought it was the greatest advice ever to give a daughter. Sweetheart, when you go out into the world, don't let anybody choose you. You choose them. Well, mm-hmm. it was his way of saying, you create your own reality. Don't let somebody create that for you. Hmm. Mhm, and mm-hmm. many of us, of course, do the reverse. many of us mm-hmm. you know uh let people make the choices for us, and then we just kind of either get on board or don't get on board and then, yeah, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's all kind of interrelated, but um, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: mm-hmm. wow, that was a big insight I just had. I know what that with that later. What's and there? what, what and, and
0: what was the insight again?
1: Um the the importance of um creating, I don't know if I would say intention, but create and I don't think I would use the word goal either, mm-hmm. but to um from coming from the inner world making a choice of moving in a direction of inspiration.
0: Yeah. And the importance yeah. of fitness. which is another yeah. way of saying in spirit yeah that the the, you know. the, the the if you can stay inspired in your life which is really just looking for more meaning and more purpose
1: mm-hmm. and human and human
0: beings have that have that need um mm-hmm. that um and we are kind of goal driven at least in the western world um that that your idea of goals change Mm -hmm. Uh, the goal isn't the goal isn't as uh, as concrete it's more abstract and uh, and that's what happens when you move beyond uh, those veils of development and move into a place of being the master of your own universe it really means that you are in charge now of your choices and every choice that you make Uh, Creates your reality, and that's you know you've heard me say in regards to the human shadow. It takes two seconds to get in and three years to get out. I mean that that Mm -hmm. you can make you can make a left turn, and literally it'd be the wrong choice. And uh, and so choices Mm -hmm. matter.
1: Mm -hmm. I think I'm also hearing it's a matter of living by default
0: or Mm -hmm.
1: consciously choosing. how to create um, meaning and purpose in your life.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and and the problem I had with the power of intention, and, and not that it was, you know, all of these teachings that have come out in the past 20 years, they're not 100% false. They're what they are instead of are half-truths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you can have intention. Intention is important. But if you don't know what's driving you and what's pulling you, then, mm-hmm. then the intention is irrelevant, you see, yeah uh, if what's driving you is the ego, it's then you're
1: cancel, it would kind of cancel itself out really. well,
0: I remember the video on the uh on the secret film when it first came out. They showed uh, somebody rubbing a lamp, and a mm-hmm. ge- and a genie she came out of the lamp and uh, and the person was saying, "Well, I want to have this amount of money and I want to find this partner and you know, and, and and the secret was showing the idea that if you can see it then it then then you can make it real. That isn't a hundred percent a hundred percent false, but it's just a half truth. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you don't if you don't have a sense of uh what's driving and what's pulling you, then your your intention is nothing more than but just an empty wish.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's a really important thing to connect to the idea of the secret because
0: Hmm. Well, and think about what faith is. I mean, people, you know, when I ask people to define faith, uh, what you tend to get is some kind of religious context for the definition of faith. And I don't know whether I said this and I made it up or if I read it somewhere, but I, I just know that I liked it and that faith is hope that has been rewarded.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: if you've gone through your life and have been hopeful, and never got rewarded for those hopes, then you're going to have a limited amount of faith. You see, mm-hmm. um, um, but this is the this is the importance of knowing what's driving you, what's pulling you. You don't have to rely on blind faith. If you know if you know what you are, if you know when and where you are, then you can get to the who and the why. Uh, and and. Sure.
1: Way of saying, I, I love. Um, what would be a different way of saying uh, blind faith? If it wasn't blind faith, it would be what? <laughs> if it wasn't blind, it because would be it would it faith. would be aware.
0: It'd be aware faith.
1: <laughs> faith
0: aware. Yeah, yeah, faith. Faith is based upon awareness. Uh, yeah. Remember what's what's what sets us apart from the rest of the species on the planet is that we are sentient. Mm-hmm. Sentient doesn't mean conscious. Sentient means that we are aware that we're aware.
1: So that means right.
0: that we have the capacity to step back from our lives and literally see what the soul sees or mm-hmm. or see what life sees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, from that vantage point of observer and witness, we can then see our lives and, so, and we can see the entirety of our lives dependent upon how much we've worked on those sites, so to speak which is why I jokingly say all the time that I feel like I'm an optometrist, you know, because I help people. Mm-hmm. See yeah. I get people to change their lenses and renew their prescriptions on their glasses all the time. But that's part of it. I mean, perception is more powerful than the truth for a lot of people. So what that really means is that perception matters. Because perception is really tied to beliefs and experience.
1: hmm
0: and uh, but if you've never ever challenged your own perceptions, which is another way of saying if you've never really challenged your own subjective understanding of this, then you're still operating in a blind from a kind of a blind position. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. ego wants you to stay blind because it stays in charge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't want you to see. It doesn't want to. I mean, the ego does not like change. You know, mm-hmm. people, people in this culture are very, very much afraid of death, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. They don't
0: realize that's a metaphor for saying they're afraid of change mm-hmm. they want mm-hmm. they want predictability they want stability they want some kind of uh security and safety in their choices and their decisions so in other words they're saying i want I want to know that the container that I have chosen to put myself inside of is going to defend me uh secure me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 be there for me when I need it, whatever that that represents. Mm-hmm. And so that's why people kind of, you know, I say they kind of pitch a tent along the road mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. build a house, and that's where they live. I mean, that's where they yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because without change, there's no growth. There's no evolving.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And sure. of course,
0: the one thing that the the one thing that uh, really kind of makes the playing field equal for everybody is we're all going to die. Right? And so so the one thing that makes it equal is time. We've only got just a certain amount of time to become and realize our fullest self. And mm-hmm. so the question becomes how much time do you want to waste asleep? Versus, how much time do you want to uh, spend awake, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's the difference. Mm-hmm.
1: And what did you say? Um, knowing that we're all going to die, it does levels the plane.
0: Yeah, it makes it makes the playing oh. field level. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. ma- I mean, think about it. That no matter what we accomplish, no matter how much money we make, no matter how many accolades we acquire, we're still going to die, right? And so. <laughs> Yeah.
1: I was wondering though, what if we found a way to level the playing field by instead of knowing that we're all going to die, knowing that we're all gonna live fully. I think that would be great. Yeah. Well yeah,
0: that'd be yeah. <laughs> well if you knew that then you wouldn't be concerned about death. I'm sure. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah, that you're gonna put in your your 80 years or your 85 years fully you know, in this existence and show up fully as yourself, then yeah, then then death takes a different complexion. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's but it's all related, Irma. I mean the I mean these these mm-hmm. things are all kind of interrelated developmentally. That uh, we we move through these stages in a linear sense, um, but only if we're kind of um, responding to what's pulling us. To get to the next level and 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 some of us don't understand what the pool is mm, mm-hmm. and how would you for our listeners, how would you describe the pool well i like we talked about last week, you know that um the pool is that you are a spiritual being by design uh mm-hmm. and that question of which came first the chicken or the egg well. In the context of the soul, the soul came first, and you have a relationship with it that runs about twenty four months before the onset of ego and the onset of language.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: um, spiritual people, truly spiritual people, don't forget that precognitive experience of being connected to the source, and that um, that is the to be alive intelligence that is pushing forward to be its fullest self in spite of all the external kind of interruptions and interference. And uh, so that's how you know that. So so the the short answer is give your soul station, or if you don't like the word soul, give the animated force that is your life station, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because it is inherently attempting to be its fullest self. Mm. And the only thing that's stopping it really is the human ego. And then you have the collective mm-hmm. ego, which adds to that. Yeah. So you have the culture, mm. and then you have your own personal ego.
1: Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. I, I saw the image of, when you just said that, I just saw the image of a, a rose. I mean, a rose, um, its fullest potential is to fully bloom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So couple things that, that have stood out to me in in what you wrote for the show today. I don't know if we still have time to sure, cover sure. them. Yes. Yeah. Um one of them is um matter because this dimension can be known. So what what stood out to me and and I kind of wanted to expand on for my own awareness and I know that my my um wanting to do that is connected to to what our listeners may want as well so um when you're talking about this dimension can you go into um the meaning of what spiritual dimension is versus maybe ego dimension or I'm not sure how you would do that but the idea well of well one of the
0: things one of the things that I'm attempting to do with um with the work that I'm trying to uh, expose to the culture is um, we've got to change our language. We have to change our vocabulary and we have to get real precise mm-hmm. on what these terms actually mean. And spirituality or spiritual in general is probably one of the most confusing words out there because it tends to be uh, merged with religion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 even soul and spirit uh, tend to be merged as being one and the same and they're not um because remember that the human spirit is the physical memory i'm, I'm sorry is the soul's memory of your physical birth <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what that's what the human spirit is and so uh, um so so the 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 dimension of spirituality uh, at least in my in my experience with trauma and in my own life is uh, spirituality needs to be defined as the pursuit and understanding of suffering, mm-hmm. and I break that down into two categories. One is longing, and one is based on lack. Mm-hmm. So the one that dominates the culture is lack, mm-hmm. and we ah. for, and we ah. for, and we forget that what we're really feeling in the very beginning is is longing to not be separate from the source. Because we actually, the body has a physical memory of being cut away from the creator, being cut away from the mother. The body remembers that. One minute it was in sync with the heartbeat of the mother. It was in sync with the metabolism of the mother. It was uh, floating, if you will, in this in this dimension without ego. And so that that pre-ego time really is the spiritual dimension because it's a feeling dimension. It, there's no emotions yet because remember emotions come from a thought attached to a feeling, which then becomes a memory. So we have no memories at this point that's tied to language, no memory that's tied to belief systems. It's mm-hmm. all it's all experiential. So mm-hmm. so the the dimension that I'm referring to, and I, and I hope this is answering your question, is, is that um, the spiritual dimension has got to be seen as. The pursuit and understanding of our longing hmm. to be our fullest self mm-hmm. and that, uh, and that's separate from the ego's lacking, which is created by guilt and shame
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we have so we have in this inner world that we're describing, we have two things taking place: one is we get cut away from the source. And then very quickly, with the onset of language and the creation of ego, get divided by the outside culture. And uh, and there's no way around that. That's going to happen to everybody. So mm-hmm. before you can get to resolving the longing, you have to heal the lacking.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And so lacking tends to get most of the attention. But again, if you don't know what's driving you and what's pulling you, the only reason that you want to repair the lack so you can remember the longing <laughs> it isn't the other way around yeah
1: right. Right.
0: and so what a lot of people try to do is go around that go around the ego go around the psychology of who they are and go straight to that dimension and right. uh and you you can you can you can trick yourself into believing that that is is the truth but that isn't the, the way it works mm-hmm. yeah
1: well there's a lot of uh talk today, especially about um that we're shifting into the fifth dimension so um so how would you and is there a way to to talk about in connection to to the show today the third dimension and the the fifth dimension and and what that means and is there a connection to um, what you're bringing through your, your teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah,
0: I haven't thought about it in those terms before, but uh, uh, imagine that we're trying to get present in three-dimensional time. So we, mm-hmm. we live in three-dimensional space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fourth dimension is the capacity to step back and see what that third dimension has created. Mm-hmm. Fifth dimension mm-hmm. is outside of time altogether. So, so we're, we're moving from a finite existence to, to one that's eternal and, uh, mm-hmm. or connecting mm-hmm. to the eternal. So that's really what the fifth dimension, at least for me, would be, would, would be symbolic of. This is it. Mm-hmm. And so look at the irony. We, we, we let the ego run the show, which can only see the world two-dimensionally. How do you know that? Because it sees things in black and white and right and wrong. It sees things in duality. Right. So yeah. here you have the capacity uh, to see the world three-dimensionally and, and, and live in the world three-dimensionally, but the ego can't handle that, <laughs> so it creates a two-dimensional uh, kind of perspective of it. So yeah. once once you get into three-dimensional space, then you begin to create what you want to see in fourth-dimensional space, which is what your third mm-hmm. dimension created. And then in fifth dimensional space, you essentially are outside of time altogether. You're you're in the dimension that people would say God is in. You're outside of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, that that's really helpful. That's really helpful. I think that's a really clear way to. And there is definitely a connection to um, inner life and uh, the. The dimensions that.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably, probably one of the most profound realities, uh, or not realities, but um, profound things that I realized. And when I started seeing continuity or the inner theme uh, that was running through all of my patients from all different walks of life, all different disabilities, uh, all different belief systems, the one thing that really kind of was profound to me was that our inner space is everybody as large as outer space and uh and that's pretty big (laughs) that's pretty big so um so so the inner space that is this dimension we're referring to is is automatically connected to the eternal and um which is outside Mm -hmm. of time yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and remember time in in the context of uh, of what science says you know time is made up anyway so what is time Mm -hmm. well time is how many times the earth rotates around the sun, you know, and we break it down to 24 hours and 28 days in a month, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's tied to that kind of a, kind of a clock. But the dimension that we're referring to doesn't have a clock. It doesn't have that clock. It doesn't, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't see time the same way that, uh, and that's why I said you can't be late. When you decide (laughs) to embrace, when you embrace your inner life, when you decide to make that, that, that move to do that, you're right on time. Because oh there, no, there is no clock that says you're yeah,
1: late. I love that connection. That that uh <laughs> oh. so there's there's one other thing towards um the end of, of what you wrote that, that stood out to me as well. Um parallel to this knowing is the relationship between the ego and the human spirit, both deceiver and deceived. The ego deceiver makes us distrust what we think and feel and replaces our doubt with misinformation. So I wonder if you could expand on um, the idea of ego as um, deceiver. Deceiver
0: and deceit. Well, yeah. the the ego, um, and, and I'm, what I'm really talking about there in terms of the deceiver is the is the shadow side of the ego. The, the wounded mm-hmm. ego uh, yeah. is a little bit of a magician and how it tricks us to, continue to spin in our material, whatever our material is. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it even negotiates with us that if you will let go of change, if you'll let go of whatever it is you think is going to fix this, then I will stop and I will lower the angst inside of you. Uh, I will decrease the anxiety. I will stop making mm-hmm. you afraid. And so mm-hmm. so the deceiver and deceived is, is that the ego has a function of adapting to life as it is but at the same time the ego doesn't want to see life as it is uh, because to do Mm -hmm. so means it has to change and the ego doesn't want to change so it deceives us by making us think we're changing and we're growing if we for example get a new wife get a new job get a new location Mm -hmm. in other words if it keeps us out here in the external then we're not going to focus on the internal so I kind of see the shadow side of the human experience not much on like roaches at your house, you know that if you shine mm-hmm. light in a corner on a bunch of roaches they they all scurry and scatter away and dissipate, you mm-hmm. know. That's what happens to the shadow. When you shine light on it, it hides. And mm-hmm. um and shining mm-hmm. light means when you become aware of it and attempt to parent it and bring it into the present tense, it it attempts to hide. And so it's quite uh quite a magician and how it does that and uh, yeah
1: yeah boy that really
0: clarifies that yeah Yeah. so yeah I mean so the so so the goal the goal of course in self-care and self-understanding if we're going to keep using the word self (laughs) is is that uh, when you get to a place of doing that care and understanding through self-inquiry and self-study then what you stop doing is self-deception
1: mm-hmm.
0: which means you're no longer living your life based upon illusions and you're and you're more looking for what is true and mm-hmm. uh, and and that is and that really is the, the key to that yeah mm-hmm.
1: wow i like that i like that and at the the very end this this stood out to me too and and i i think as as you always do you have such a a beautiful way of putting things. So, um, there are only two choices: the path of the ego or the way of the heart. So, when you talk about the path of the ego versus the way of the heart, well,
0: I'm glad to see now see the fact that you caught that just just explains why you are with me on this journey. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would catch that. Yeah. Well, because the the ego's path is a path that's already been cut. It's mm-hmm. defined by the culture, it's defined by the family, it's defined by many different things. So that's the path. The way is the direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And which has nothing to do with path. <laughs> mm-hmm. In other words, the uh the if you get on a if you get on a, a path that is that is ego, then you're you are conditioned and kind of trained to follow that path to its to its end or to its conclusion. If you're if you're using the heart as direction, it does make a difference what path you're on, you're going to get off you can see you move from path to path and from track mm. to track and road to road. When you're using the the heart as the compass and you're following the direction of what is true, then you end up going across multiple paths until mm. you find until you find your way. And the way, of course, is the way towards truth and what is real. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Big difference. Big difference. That's what I meant about that um, a lot of the stuff that's being taught in the spiritual community ends up just being another path. (laughs) It isn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it
0: really isn't. It's just another path and it isn't really pointing the way. And, And there isn't any spiritual teaching on the planet that comes out of any religion that I'm aware of, that doesn't say that the heart is the compass. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty much uh, pretty common across all of the main religions that uh, that this that this capacity and this quality that we have as human beings to be compassionate is, uh, is a gift that we possess, uh, mm-hmm. which means we're not going to be self-centered and self-absorbed and self-focused. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.